We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fit Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault of the news cycle of the people that make it and occasionally ourselves. I got ahead of myself. Um, yeah. I'm Camille Foster, joined by Michael Moynihan, Matt Welch. Uh, I, I am uh, <laughs> I'm in Santa Fe, <laughs> New Mexico, uh, in a hotel room, some sort. We'll see how Motel well the audio room. was... Uh, cleaned up yeah it's got it's pretty much a motel but it's a very nice motel like it's very cool they have a nice gift shop and uh <laughs> did you buy something at the gift shop at the motel I did. In, in new mexico i did i bought several oh. things i bought i bought this this swanky uh sweatshirt here that's not bad and wait. i brought a i bought a hat wait and, that's not uh, a motel motels yeah, don't have gift shops with swanky sweatshirts that's what i told you motels have like you know, meth heads and people <laughs> with like one big shoe kind it's of a, limping around. It's a nice, hourly it's a rates. nice hotel that is effectively yeah. a road roadside motel. That is what it is. But it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it has a nice, has a really <laughs> nice gift shop. Uh, but, and the I person who owns it went to Columbia, didn't they? That's <laughs> uh, actually almost certainly true. Yeah, I I will say that Santa Fe has a, a kind of Williamsburg vibe, and it may be just that I'm in this place, but I'm not sure that's the case. Um, so we have a lot yeah. of listeners everywhere, so I don't want to say this because yeah. I'll get emails. Uh-oh. But I always got the sense that Santa Fe, I haven't been to Santa Fe in like probably twenty years, fifteen years. But, but um, I always get the sense that it was a bit methy. Mm. That it got it's a it's a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, it has, it has some is rough that, or is Albuquerque, Albuquerque is methy. Is Albuquerque it's methy? It's methy and like cops might just shoot you dead because they're yeah. high. Um, it's, is that true? The cops in Albuquerque are notoriously like they shoot more people per capita than about any other police force. It's good for them. I know. I was going to say. <laughs> Thank you, Gary Jesus Johnson. Jesus Christ, Moynihan. <laughs> it's the uh, Bernard Getz slash Michael Moynihan Memorial Police Force. Well, we're having we're having that moment now. <laughs> Um, and, uh, the, the dude's going to be charged. Yeah. That was just announced tonight. Um, yeah. With, uh, manslaughter, second degree manslaughter. Oh, I didn't see that the charge, which it yeah, is it actually it real. Unlike matter. the one that I meant made up for one of our last podcasts. Yeah. Unlike most of the things that uh, crimes that are committed in New York where no one's charged. <laughs> so I guess, I guess, uh, protesting on the subway tracks works, you know? Who knows? How do you? Who knows? Who knows how that case goes? Yeah, or how if, that, it if that's up. a jury, if that's a jury case, does the New York jury convict? No. The uh, the comments that no. I saw was that um, they took enough evidence they believed to demonstrate that um, uh, Neely was not a threat and did not threaten um, Penny. And I'll get the, I get their names messed up every time, so I'm just not going to even get to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, choky McMarine versus dead guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they got it right that time. Yeah, I think so. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they 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 feel like they took witness testimony uh, to say that uh, that he wasn't a threat, and that, and that isn't it weird that no witnesses have come out and talked to the media. Like I haven't seen any. Uh, they had it's the pretty strange at first in the first reporting. One, yeah, yeah, initially. Yeah. And by the way, the New York Times changed the 15-minute chokehold to minutes. 
Yeah. Uh, because that, well, the that 15 is true. minute thing, the 15 minute thing is the thing that I see most frequently uh, in, with people yeah, talking about this online. Sheet. It's like 15 yeah. minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, which appears to be based on a particular witness's statement. Uh, it, it also seems like the incentive for the witnesses at this point, um, certainly anyone who came, came uh, a bit later than the first couple of days is to, to suggest that the guy wasn't a threat. Yeah. That you that you didn't fear that anything was going to happen. There's there's at least some sort of public, I, th I think, public pressure or incentive to perhaps uh, downplay it. We'll see. When there are people on the subway platform with um, <laughs> signs that say "convict" or "arrest," whatever the marine guy's name is, convict I think you or arrest. Uh, um, uh, you know, there are various signs that have his oh. name on them. They're like, convince, yeah, yeah. you know, crucify, torture, <laughs> okay. uh, throw out of an airplane, various things. You know, all very reasonable uh, signs. I can't imagine that anyone wants to come forward as a witness and be like, you know what? He was really, actually was quite a danger at this point. <laughs> you know, who, who would want to do that? I mean, it's New York. So it's people of all types and cussednesses. Um, so, uh, it could be someone wants to stick a middle finger in someone else's eye as well. I want to stick a middle finger in the eye of Brad Lander, as always, the city's comptroller and my former city councilman. Um, but he was, uh, outraged like yesterday or the day before a press conference, you know, demanding that this guy be arrested for murder. And as, uh, Moynihan alluded to, that would probably be the first person that Brad Lander has wanted to see arrested. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sent you guys also a picture of a, a protest where somebody had a it was like an outline of Michael Jackson on like doing like the moonwalk or like oh, on, no. his, on his oh, and it no. was like you know uh, rest in peace and I was like that's Michael Jackson that's not he put on a Michael Jackson outfit and screamed to people in the subway is he wasn't Michael Jackson do you not want the king of this. pop to rest in peace what kind of monster have you become Mr. Moynihan. I mean, not really, because I don't like pedophiles. I'm kind of weird like that. I have this weird thing where I don't like people who have sex with children. Oh, wait, wait, wait. It's just a, it's just a habit. I was, I've always been like biased against them. Speaking, speaking of weird things, there's not a correction from earlier, but I should say, because it's really weird not to say, you know, Breaking Bad took place in Albuquerque. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, what, what, do, you, what do you correct? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's not a correction. It's it was in his head. I was just thinking about the fact. He's so stoned. He thought when he was in the gift shop, he's like getting wasted in the gift shop in Santa Fe. I am not getting yeah. wasted at the gift shop, but I am exhausted. I'm really tired. I'm you should have got some math. I'm gonna perk you up a little bit. Is that how that works? Yeah, I also want to say that I, I demanded that Camille listen to a podcast. Well, the other day, which is like the shittiest podcast I've ever bad. heard. It's bad. It's really and bad. And it was uh, the Wall Street Journal's daily podcast, which is their version of the New York Times Daily. Yeah. Um, and it was about the, the Adderall shortage. Good. And they had a woman on who was like, <laughs> I'm a recovering Adderall addict. And I was like, who, where the fuck did they get this actress? It's totally fake. And she's just like, you know, I, not a day go, I, I've been off it for six years. Not a day goes by where I'm not like thinking about it. And I'm like, what? you have a mental health problem. You don't, it's not an attention deficit disorder. And at the end of it, there was like this breath at the end of this horrible episode, which was the narkiest episode ever. Like, you know, we got to stop all these people from taking Adderall. 
And at the end, it was like, you know, that she, she's been in recovery for six years uh, for her Adderall addiction, and she was addicted to alcohol and cocaine. Oh. <laughs> it was like, wait, hold, wait, whoa, 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 hold on. Wait, whoa, back it up, back it up, beep, beep, back it up. Let's go. That's not a make it. Oh. The star, you, you, you buried the lead. Yeah, morning hands like, is she, she was tall? She was a cokehead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll forgive her a lot, but it, she was a cokehead. And when she was out of coke, I think she probably like crushed up some Adderall. It's like, I think you're, that's the wrong kind of order you put this in but it was incredibly crappy and they just had this woman on and i couldn't believe like you know it, it is the classic like we have come to a conclusion we're going to find somebody who fits that um conclusion and she was just like it was it was a night it was a living nightmare being on adderall and i was like what are you talking about she was like, I was so productive. I I did so many great things. It's like, okay. Right. You know how... So yeah, don't don't listen to that episode of the Wall Street Journal. Do you know how like in Las Vegas, I'm always fascinated by the, uh, the market for casino cover bands in Las Vegas, right? Because you have a billion casinos. Each casino, especially the big ones, have like 8, 10, 12, 15 different like musicians in different little corners. And I've always thought, I mean, there's an economy. There's a, someone who's got a big book mm-hmm. and they know... These guys are going to charge $1,000 a night. These guys, $15,000 a night. These guys, they are going to pay you <laughs> for the opportunity mm-hmm. to maybe make tips. Um, uh, in a similar way, like the bottom of, so the bottom of that market, um, and I have a lot of uh, natural empathy for crappy musicians for some reason. Um, so the bottom mm-hmm. of that market is going to be some barrel scraping. And I wonder if that's not true journalistically when we're trying to whip up a good scare about how vapes are secretly worse than marijuana. Um, or whatever, because yeah, yeah, yeah. they would. Yeah. They, oh, they're worse than cigarettes. Certainly yeah, worse than yeah. cigarettes, and it's and it's really similar. It's always like they find this horror story and they tease it out, and then I think they post on Facebook, and then the hour, I think that's forty uh, fifth right. minutes of it, you you get like oh, they have uh, a, a series of other very life crushing problems that have more to do with it. Um, for, I don't, I, I don't even remember why you brought up uh, Vegas at the beginning. It's, it's very important, bands, but it doesn't matter. But it made me think of um, uh, bands in Vegas that uh, I once uh, <laughs> made a crew, a crew of mine when we were shooting in Vegas, um, eat at the Vince Neil barbecue place. Sold <laughs> with within <laughs> Circus Circus the casino Vince Neil too um, fast for, for you love? Camille. Uh, it was like too fast for brisket. It was like all these bad plays. You shout at the brisket. Um, but it was the, he was a singer, the unbelievably terrible, um, alcoholic, uh, singer of Motley Crue, yeah. uh, at a uh, barbecue restaurant. Yeah. 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 Mickley. Yeah, definitely made sense to Germans. Um, but anyway, Donald Trump was on TV. Did you see that? Saw clips. Yeah. And every, everyone is angry. Everyone's angry. Except yeah. for Donald Trump and Donald Trump's uh, um, organization. And Joe <laughs> Biden and E. Jean Carroll and uh, perhaps the head of CNN, Chris Licht, is happy to get more than 3 million viewers for the first time on, on their network for a long time. Although it's still not it's still much. not many yeah. people. Yeah, it's like 3.1 million. And, which is, you know, which is I think a lot of people like me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's good for cable news, but it's like, you know... I mean, this is like a pay-per-view fight, right? I mean, this is yeah. like the, the, supposed to be this big thing. I think it's lower than any, um, any time that he was on in the 2020 cycle, for example, on any of those things. Yeah. I watched it in clip form. 
Yeah. I didn't watch it all the way through. Did you watch it through, Matt? No, I watched uh, I watched about five, ten minutes with Coco because she thought it was hilarious. Uh, and she wasn't wrong about that. <laughs> she was. <laughs> She's got a lot of problems, that kid. There was one bit that was really funny. I turned it on for a second. And when you when he was well, he said I can't remember what he said, but he's and Caitlin Collins was like, Well, you said the opposite when you were president. And he's like, Well, I'm not president <laughs> now. Yeah. And and she was like, but she you know, but what, know what what to do. And he said it yeah. again. He's like, Well, I'm not president now. It yeah. was like a, it was an amazing, like not prepared. Like, what do you? How do you even respond Can't. to that? <laughs> but, but, you can only. But yeah, so it was before. Before we get into the details, though, what did what did you think of Caitlyn's uh, performance overall? Oh yeah, the people who criticized her are wrong, uh-huh. and the people who praised her are wrong. The people who criticized her was like, oh, she got steamrolled. It's like, no, she didn't. It was exactly what you'd expect. That's, it is, it, there's nothing you can do. He's just going to deny everything all the time and then just mow-mow you and filibuster. So, okay, fine. But I think the problem with her is not the fact that she's you know not sharp. I mean, she was ready for all of these things. But she was also ready for the most boring things in the world. Like, everybody has asked him all of these questions a thousand times. He is going to have... A very, very, very honed answer for all of this stuff. January 6th, grab him by the pussy. Uh, I didn't win the election. Yes, I did. It's like all the hits. (laughs) All the hits. It's literally all the hits. It is like no B-sides, no remixes, no house single mixes, just the hits. And by the way, I said to Matt, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But he enlightened me on the grab by the pussy thing. I was like, okay, I think, yeah, you know, he actually makes sense. Because uh, he said, uh-huh. well, because I remember somebody, and you can find these, one thing in particular where he said, you know, Donald Trump has admitted that he's a, like, a, a sexual assailant because he said that in the Access Hollywood tape. Because Donald Trump points out, he's like, and it was unbelievably hilarious, and it's like not a funny thing, right? He's a total scumbag. But the precision of it where he was like, no, no, if you look at what I said, I said, they allow you to. That's right. And I went back to the transcript and I was like, oh, he did say that actually. I th- yeah. He did actually they say they you, allow they you, you to. They let you do it. Yeah. They let you do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think also, Wait, it's, so it's, I love it. this, it's I think lawyerly point. There's, a, there's also a difference between the kissing and the grabbing. Um, so the, the kissing, yeah. he definitely did. The grabbing is more theoretical. Like you, you could. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, like, yeah there was, yes, yeah, yeah. that's what he says. Was, you could do anything. You could do whatever you want. And then you when asked in the deposition, yeah. he said, "We've been doing this for a, a million, million years, years. <laughs> maybe more, maybe more than a million years." That week, that and he's week. like, "It's stars. just stars, stars, stars. <laughs> a million years ago, for stars, years." Yeah. Oh my God. Grog in the cave was like, I'm a huge star in this cave. I love how <laughs> I can just do whatever I want. If I'm not mistaken, you guys will correct me if I'm wrong, but within the last just several days, he was uh, found uh, liable for sexual assault and defamation against the person that he was well, liably very uh, confusing in what? a civil lawsuit yeah. uh, found for sexual assault. Um, and so he says these <laughs> crazy things in the deposition, which are hilariously awful and also hilarious and awful, um, mm-hmm. including to the lawyer, um, not just that E. Jean Carroll is not his type, but the lawyer, you don't look like my type either, which is yeah, doubly funny because I mean, she's lesbian. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> but like, but imagine having the instinct to say that. Like, actually, you know what? Let me add this right now. You know what? I wouldn't have sex with you either. And she's like, I wouldn't have sex with you. I mean, like, this is. Are we talking about this now? This is a deposition. That's so weird. He. It's so doesn't bizarre. give a fuck, and he is going no. to. Con- no. He. I. I think the. I perhaps I'm right right now everyone's like wringing their hands over this uh, thing and whether CNN is like delivering the election to him and it's terrible and journalistic ethics and blah blah blah. I think oh last gosh. night might have more of impact on his legal cases than it does on anything electorally. First of all, E. Jean Carroll might sue him for defamation again, and she might have a case. Again, yeah. I think, she, yeah, because she she's thinking she about would, yeah. it, and uh, and he called her like wacky and and like said it's all fake and whatever, and like it's you just. You just lost that one. Um, and then what he mm-hmm. said about uh, Georgia and, and the Raffin. She had a cat called Vagina. <laughs> he was very, that was amazing. <laughs> like there was, that guy was president. Do you, you realize that? He was the president of the United I, States. And he was like, she has a cat called Vagina. And it was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like you literally, gotta, you you're pitching laugh. yourself to the American people? You gotta laugh. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he gotta laugh at that moment. He he, did. he knew his crowd and he worked Oh my God, it. yeah. That was a very friendly but crowd. But I, I would like to journalistically <laughs> defend the friendly crowd since that's not going to be a very um, popular statement. Well, that was the point, Jeez. right? It was supposed to be a Republican audience. It's supposed audience. to be a Republican yeah. audience and I'm sure there are a lot of hacks in there and it was very jarring for anyone to watch who doesn't like Donald Trump to see his incredible lies and awful things and also sometimes hilarious things just sort of laughed at and hooted at and hollered at uh, by people. Um, I think that is one of the functions that we might consider um, that journalism is supposed to do. If you have someone who yeah, is that? is leading mm-hmm. um, the polls, the Republican polls, who is a former president of the United States, who is a newsmaker by definition, um, and who's very unique for American America selling proposition has to do with his connection with fans. It's not even just voters. It's just like fans. Um, you need to see that. You need to see the reaction. Mm-hmm. That's actually part of the story. Just as, you know, his rallies, which he's continued to do, most people have stopped covering them. I, you know, militantly have stopped paying attention to them. I was hoping to not ever pay attention to him in my life. And that keeps getting derailed. Um, but I think a lot of people, some of the anguish and chagrin that they're expressing is one, just that the presidential campaign is back upon us. Um, but two, that he's not gone. We, he hasn't been excised from American life. And it's a bummer to re-remember all of this um, from that point of view. But I think journalistically, that is that is a useful exercise. So many people have come to the conclusion, apparently, that journalism is supposed to be explicitly about um, protecting the electorate from its possible choices and to steering people in one direction or another. And to if there is this weird and kind of um, media uh exacerbated relationship between candidate and audience just cauterize it cut it off don't show it make it somehow not go away i think that is that's actually malpractice to ignore that is a a real thing but you see where this comes from right i mean it's a pretty obvious line and i think we probably predicted it on the show um in no uncertain terms and maybe in some sort of vague ways over time too is that when you're consistently telling people that um, platforming is something we have to prevent. We have to get people off of platforms. Alex Jones or you know whoever it might in, be. In Jake Tapper's um, case and CNN's case, 
uh, which I found yeah. out reading a reaction to this, he stopped having people on his program unless they agreed with the, it turns out, real um, the fact, I think, that the that Donald Trump lost the election. So if a Republican came on and was an election denier, um, he just wouldn't have them on, even if they were an elected official. Yeah, I mean, to not platform those people, I think, is is not, um, I don't like, again, I never use the word platform. I always use the traditional word interview. interview. <laughs> Um, and, um, so the, to interview people like that, um, you know, I've always said the same thing. It's like, you know, you need to know that these people are bad people. And how do you know it? Am I going to take Jake Tapper's word for it? Or am I going to listen to the person in question and then determine that they're a bad person or somebody not worthy of my time or worth listening to? But yeah, this is, I think this is the, the, on, uh, nobody would have said any of this stuff 10 years ago. This is, we're on the other end of this idea of, you know, violent uh, words being violence and, 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 you know, talk, always having to sort of contain it and speech being uh, the thing that a certain segment of this, uh, of the population and particularly people in the, in the political universe are always trying to curtail or always trying to prevent you from hearing the bad thing. Because I suppose they think that if you hear the bad thing, you might agree with it and you might like it, and they don't trust you. The entire thing is about how they little they trust the American people. And so you see this thing, I started sending these, we started sending these back and forth on our text channel, just read a couple of them. Because trending last night was the hashtag boycott CNN. Uh, Kim, uh, Kim, what's her name, Sherelle, the uh, Kim, she's just Kim on on Twitter, she has like 300,000 followers. She's been around for a while. Um, journalist, I think. What is CNN's target audience? Sex criminals and guys who build bombs in their mountain cabins? I don't get the second one. Boycott <laughs> CNN and then has hashtag gross. You know, a lot of people are clicking on that hashtag. Like, oh, what's on gross tonight? <laughs> um, Laura Rosen, the, the foreign uh, policy guru. Shame on CNN. When I first started watching CNN, Christian Amanpour was reporting from Bosnia. And at one point, essentially shaming the Clinton administration about not intervening to stop war crimes. What are you talking about? Now, because that's all they had back in the past. Nothing else. It was just Christian Amanpour talking about uh, Bill Clinton. Um, now it's lost its moral purpose. Uh, I can turn it on for entertainment or not do so. That's not English. Um, and then Matt adds this in our chain. Michael Beschloss, who was at one point considered a serious historian, who apparently had a coconut fall on his head and has become <laughs> a lunatic uh, cable news guy, said, what's next? An evening with Jefferson Davis on the History Channel? On the hist what does that even mean? On the History Channel? <laughs> I'm sure they have evenings about Jefferson Davis they, on the History prop, Channel, you dumb as fuck. They should. As they yeah, should. it's not like, uh, say on CBS News or something, you idiot. But yeah, this is what, and, and so um, this, and this is the next one, Matt Ascent, which is from uh, everyone's favorite, AOC. This, comma, is is everyone fucking illiterate by the way this comma the choice to platform election disinformation comma lies about january 6th totally unchecked and reckless claims about abortion dot 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 they need to take ownership of what just happened this cannot be normalized it's dangerous you know what it, it can't be normalized you know what when it was normalized when he was the fucking president i mean like the guy won an election he was a president and then he got like 70 million votes. Let's not normalize yeah. it. 
The guy is a fucking crank. We know that. Gentaub, uh journalist. Wow, CNN. I feel sorry for the panel that has to clean up after that mess. This is probably possibly the lowest moment I have seen in journalism in my lifetime. lifetime. What in the world? In their lifetime. What in the world did you think was going to happen? Exactly what happened. That's what they thought was going to happen. Because he is the front runner, and you have to talk to the front runner. And if you think he's a bad guy, then you should get on Twitter and talk about how he's a bad guy and not attack CNN for doing the job of journalism, which is talking to the person that has bewitched the Republican base. We've tried to figure out why for a very long time, and it was not the best job by Caitlin Collins, but not because she didn't wasn't prepared. She was prepared. But as I said, she was prepared for the normal stuff that we've all, January 6th, January 6th, January 6th. It did, it is the election, was it stolen? I, we know what he's going to fucking say. Why don't you come in there with something that's a little sharper, right? When you say like, you know, uh, the, the thing where she pushes him on Ukraine, mm-hmm. say who you want to win. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump, I know what he's doing. I mean, it's a very easy answer. I think he, he should have said, obviously, the country that has been invaded uh, by a belligerent, revanchist neighbor should win because the other country is a fetid, nasty dictatorship and, uh, and Ukraine is not, um, contrary to a lot of the stupidity that you see on Twitter. But instead, he says, like, too much, everyone's dying, too much death. And like, I, I want to stop the death. One day, one day, I'd do it 24 hours. I'd do it to be over. Caitlin Collins is like, wait, wait, hold on. Who do you want to win? No, 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 no. Bad interview. Stop and say, okay, so tell me the plan. Tell me what the plan is that you will stop this in one day. Are you saying that you would go and bully Ukraine into making territorial concessions that its people don't want and its president doesn't want? How's that for a follow-up? Maybe something like that. Uh, but no, no, no. It's all scripted. And it's like, get the thing where he's going to say, I want Russia to win. Because you're trying to do the Russia thing at some point. I think Caitlin Collins is very, very bright. I think she's very good at her job. I think that she handled it in a way that, I, that was, was just boring. Because we've heard this all before. We know exactly what he's going to say to all of these questions. Just ask interesting ones. Because no journalist, with the exception of Jonathan Swan, who is a very good interviewer and did a great interview, a couple of them, with uh, Trump for Axios. And I think Trump actually respects that and is why he's done multiple interviews with people like Maggie Haberman, like people who will take some weird shots at him and get into a back and forth rather than saying, okay, January 6th, grab him by the pussy, and as Camille said, the greatest hits. Like, I just, I'm, I'm bored by it. But it's, it's necessary to talk to him. I mean, it's crazy that people think that it is. There's such a, um, an expectation. There must be a, a horrendous pressure if you are a CNN anchor. This would be true just about any news network that's not Fox News uh, anchor to interview him there because people want you to uh, emotively inflict pain on him. People want you to say, because this is what they've been doing. This is actually another reason why this is a useful exercise to get them in the same room. It's not just for Trump to have a different group that's interrogating him instead of his own thing. It's for, it's for CNN to have Trump because they've been talking about him nonstop for how many years yeah. now without him being in the building. And you need some other yeah. move besides you're lying, sir. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, sometimes <laughs> that is the move. It's because oftentimes he is lying, but you also need, it, it's such a, a, a very, very difficult assignment um, in general. And um, who knows if any of us would have done better or worse, but it'd be really fucking fun to try. Um, it would be fun to yeah. try, but, but you're, everyone's playing their role, right? I mean, the role for Caitlin Collins 
is to say something that we all know. It's not enlightening. No, 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 no. You lost the election. I, I've never heard that before. I've never, ever heard anyone say that before. We have seen some, some conservatives who've come out and started to, to openly criticize Trump. Uh, specifically, it sounds like most of the, the upset is about the Ukraine question. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the congressman from Indiana. Yeah. Ultimately, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see like what the, the net effect of this is. But in general, it does seem like plenty of people in his base are satisfied and happy and, and feel like he got the victory. And to the extent some Republicans are being critical of them, uh, I don't know that it's going to get particularly loud. I don't think it no. matters. So No, this, I mean, this won't matter. I mean, it's the same performance we've seen a bunch of times. It's, this was about, all the commentary was about CNN, how CNN yeah. performed, how she performed, should they have performed, should they even had him on, et cetera. It wasn't about the, the, the content because the content was like, everybody was wrong about it too. They were like, oh my God, he dominated. He won. He won the election tonight, which... Yeah, like people are not going to remember. Yeah, I don't think so. It's crazy. <laughs> that, that kind of stuff is just lunacy. But, you know, the, 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 there's so many interesting things you could ask him that I would love to see how the Trump mind handles. Like, you know, if you talk about debt ceiling stuff, you got to get spending concessions. Okay. okay, you've overseen the party that has abandoned the idea of free market conservatism, free market um, Republican politics and replaced it with populist don't touch Medicare politics. Now you're doing the thing you think that you should do because you're in a battle with Joe Biden or the Republicans are. So you're saying you got to get a bunch of uh, spending concessions like, okay, so what are those and kind of try to elucidate your economic policy. You say your, 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 uh, the economy under Donald Trump was great. What was the economic policies that made it great? And then be prepared for the stuff about the trade bullshit. Not be prepared to say, no, actually, on January 6th, it's like, oh, yeah, I know. It, we all know. Stop. Stop. You're not, no one is changing their mind because of this. So ask interesting questions because what people care about is the economy. And you had about a million openings to ask interesting questions, but it was all very, very stage managed. I think it's, uh, yeah. it's the it, most important read on it uh, in some ways is uh, how journalism is going to plan on dealing with trump they've been writing themselves these memos uh on in the sunday papers for a really long time of like you know we've got to we've got to figure out uh you know our democracy beat that we've created everywhere has to have like a trump strategy um i -hmm. predict this is going to be disastrous uh most of what i've seen so far on the democracy in peril beat has been an embarrassing um and filled with untruths um, and uh, and actually, in its own way, kind of spins up the thing that they're allegedly trying to fight against uh, in this kind of mimetic, uh, aping uh, mechanism. Um, but that's that's going to be interesting if this is this is how uh, journalism is going to look at it. What's going to end up being more um, uh, persuasive to the people who make decisions in newsrooms? All of the within journalism uh, anguish gnashing of teeth over this or this is cnn's biggest night in a year mm-hmm. um even though it wasn't all that big for cnn it's less less than you'd expect um i don't know what it will be um i think that there's definitely going to be a lot more direct and open kind of intervention and decisions made based on the feeling of we've got to produce the right outcome journalistically and this is going to make trump 
to the extent that he is the direct target of that, DeSantis will be too and has been already. Um, will make whoever is the the focus of that will become more popular. I would imagine on the Republican base because the Republican base for a long time now, even preceding Donald Trump, has descended into really facile, puerile, anti-media animus as like the organizing ethos of it. Um, and even if there's a huge point behind it, there's an actual aggrieved problem in the middle of it. Like to have that as your rhizome detra in life um, just makes you reactionary by definition and not not any smarter, particularly if you're rallying around people who say crazy shit that isn't true. Yeah. Uh, and, and CNN, by the way, from a business perspective, um, people are like, oh, this is what they're going to go. This is what they're going to do. It's like, no, it's they, they got lucky. And the reason they got lucky is because Trump is mad at Fox News. And so he's mad at Fox News. So he's going to CNN. It's like, I mean, this is why he said yes. <laughs> it's why he said, and he and, and now you see the announce video. It's like, he's a fucking professional wrestler. He's a, it's like a boxing thing. He gets he, like the d day before. He has a video on Truth Social <laughs> where he's like, it's going to be great tomorrow, CNN. I could be a fool. They could be fools. It could be, we, could, we could all destroy ourselves. It's the weirdest fucking thing. <laughs> but he, it's like a hype video for him. And he's like talking about CNN. Maybe they're going to come around. Maybe they're going to stop doing fake news now that they've invited me on. And it's just this like total clown show. But it only happened because um, he, he doesn't want to do business with Fox News at the moment. But De the DeSantis thing is interesting because that DeSantis-affiliated um, pack that released uh, a statement, which was, which was like really good, uh, they brutalized them and was like, you know, I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but if you can find it, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. But it's like, it's like, you know, while America, this is what's happening to America, he's relitigating January 6th. And he's talking about how, you know, defending himself for a sexual harassment trial and, and all this stuff. And it just hit him on all the points, which is what you don't hear from most other people. I mean, we just got a tweet. We should announce this here that this might actually happen. We had a tweet about a couple hours ago uh, that said, hey, you're going to have Vivek on and uh, who's running for, for president. And actually, I think third in a lot of polls. <laughs> he's saw. doing pretty well. Uh, he's looking around 5%. He's doing pretty well. Yeah, and uh, have him on. And it's like, I do want to have him on, and I'll give him a little tip. And uh, so if he listens, then he'll know to be prepared for this. Oh is boy. that he's done the, 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 the sycophantic Republican thing, which is to defend Trump at every, at every corner. He's been defending him constantly. You know, defending him about, you know, the Alvin Bragg stuff, and this, and this, I think, in the E. Jean Carroll thing, too. But he's showing fealty to... I presumably because he thinks that's going to help him win over Trump voters. But I was impressed by um, DeSantis and I guess Hutchinson too, but like who gives a fuck about him uh, coming out and saying, yeah, like you're not telling anybody anything in the CNN town hall and you're just being a complete. I'll uh, read the tweet. Uh, this is from never back down 24. Uh, NPR yes, the, back down 24. That's a terrible Twitter handle people. You really got to not, not clean, that, clean that up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the tweet is better than the headline. Uh, sure. <laughs> on CNN tonight, Trump spent an hour talking about what he did or didn't do on January 6, 2021, whether he will pardon people who harmed police officers. That's true. And he called the guy who shot at. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, it's a good formulation. Uh, he shot the guy who shot Ashley <laughs> Babbitt, called him a thug. 
um, how the 2020 election was rigged, whether he supports terminating parts of the U.S. Constitution or the whole thing because the 2020 election was rigged, the sex abuse case he was just found guilty in, liable, not guilty, mm-hmm. but yes, okay, a cat named mm-hmm. Vagina. This is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> pretty good, right? Uh, his defense of yeah. his comments about grabbing women by their genitals, the federal investigation mm-hmm. into his stash of taxpayer-owned classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, the investigation into his efforts to reverse his 2020 loss to Biden in Georgia. How does this make America great again? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's time to differentiate. I mean, Chris Christie did the same thing on Hugh Hewitt's show this morning when he just like went wild on Trump, but we need more of that because the field has been so far a bunch of complete cowards who are so bad at politics and so unbelievably stupid and surrounded by guys who just get enormous checks for being morons. This is what political consultants are. If you, if you don't believe me, watch the Lincoln Project documentary and realize that these people were all political consultants and they're all complete halfwits. But, you know, saying like, you can't alienate the Trump base, so you have to defend Trump and then try to differentiate yourself and then try to pull ahead of him in the primary? That's why... Like, we have how do you President Ted Cruz to this day at the strategy that's exactly. worked out really well. <laughs> I I wanted to talk about the uh, the Tucker Twitter announcement of new show video situation, yeah. um, which before yeah. before Trump's news was kind of running the tables in terms of media coverage and discussion, um, and the the video I I watched it and was kind of surprised. Uh, I didn't expect it to be wonderful or brilliant, but kind of surprised by just how bad it was. I mean, in much of the video, he's kind of talking about how how helpless you are when you work in one of these major media companies, how you essentially have to lie to people and tell them half-truths. He didn't seem to to take himself out of that equation. He was presenting himself almost as if he was some sort of victim. Um <clears throat> But I think he's telling on. you that he's more radical than he lets on. <laughs> well, then he, and right? then he went, to, went on to talk about the, the Constitution, not the Constitution, but free speech, um, over and mm-hmm. over and over again, and insist that this is your most fundamental right, um, and it's, you're being deprived of it because journalists aren't allowed to say what they really want, or some, some insane uh, proposition like that. In either case, this doesn't appear to be a free speech issue at all. Um, and of course, the response to Tucker's, um, to Tucker's video across the board is interesting but amongst plenty of people on the left it's uh shouldn't we do something about this is is this just going to be how it is he could say whatever he wants now um which is precisely the wrong response wasn't that the brian stelter thing it was a weird um, video nbc with uh yes yeah, some, i don't remember who brian was interviewing stelter. him but brian some stelter guy i've never seen before yeah. I thought it was one of the, the, the like the third tier characters from Mad Men, but it turned out not to be. <laughs> it was just some like gray haired guy being like, you know, is, so so what do we have to just like now in Elon Musk's uh, Nazi hellhole that is Twitter, <laughs> you can just say whatever he wants. You can just it's say like, whatever you want. What what are you talking about? Like you don't. He shouldn't say whatever he wants. Uh, like who would who would be correct. the censor? That's correct. He shouldn't. <laughs> the, the company, I guess. Uh, right? Yeah. The company would say, you're not allowed to say this. You will see, because uh, so t- uh, Tucker has okay. done two videos now, and, and the second one, you know, he's going to the last place in the world, really, um, in his words, that uh, champions free speech, because he apparently has never heard of Substack. <laughs> Twitter. Um, is Twitter. Yeah. Um, notorious free speech champions at Twitter, um, and so he's going to be doing videos there. I'm sure he's going to be doing some, you know, videos with Donald Trump sooner rather than later, and that'll be really interesting to watch. 
as was his weird uh, interview with him like just uh, two, three weeks ago or a month ago on, uh, on Fox. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, he, so he, uh, he puts it that, uh, this is the place to, that he's going to be doing it in the future. And already you have a lot of politicians on Capitol Hill, the Democrats saying, this is why we have to do something about section 230. Um, so this mm-hmm, is going to mm-hmm, be the thing mm-hmm. that motivates Democrats because you have this bipartisan pincher movement on Capitol Hill to rewrite 1990s internet legislation about what people can and can't do or be held liable for on the internet. And the Democrats version of this is that we have to do something about the white supremacist Tucker Carlson, because he's going to be saying all this disinformation and racism on Twitter, which is exactly the wrong thing as usual for similar reasons that we were talking about at the beginning of it. If, If Tucker Carlson is out here saying in my mind, crazy things like crazy conspiratorial uh, things like the best you can hope for in the news business at this point is the freedom to tell the fullest truth that you can, but there are always limits. And you know that if you bump up against those limits often enough, you will be fired for it. That's not a guess. It's guaranteed. Every person who works in English language media understands that the <laughs> English language, English language so it's just like the yeah, dawn yeah. times or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the rule of what you can't say defines everything it's filthy really and it's utterly corrupting so he's just out making incredibly bananas totalizing statements about every single human being who works for a media company and the the handful of people control everything and this is like direct quotes from him in interviews in podcasts and so people's journalists response too many of them is like okay so um that's bad so let's ban him off twitter and rewrite laws so he can't say mm-hmm. things freely like you people are not thinking this through it's incredible to me uh you also sent something and i'm just calling this up here um uh from the the man with the most annoying um speech affect andrew weissman um uh, who was on <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to put some audio in here of him talking because it just, it's, it drives It's me worse crazy. than RFK Jr.? It, uh, yeah, at least R- <laughs> RFK Jr. has like a medical, he has like a note from his yeah, doctor. Like Andrew Weissman's just like a pretentious dick. Um, but he uh, was talking about CNN to go backwards a little bit because it overlaps here. And um, this isn't section 230, but this is, this is, this should be on bad legal takes uh, that uh, hilarious uh, Twitter feed. That he says that CNN, quote, is exposing itself to potential legal liability by having Trump on. They're going to start becoming dangerously close to reckless disregard and actual malice no. <laughs> because they know what Donald Trump is going to say in advance. I, none of that makes what? sense. But I don't like and, um, you know, we have to include DeSantis in this, too. I don't like this this um, mania that has just gripped everybody of uh let's loosen up these libel laws and just go after everybody for actual malice all the time whether it's dominion or trump or cnn and you know then let's get to section 230 which a lot of conservatives have become enamored of in 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 recent years and it's just all going in the wrong direction it's all depressingly going in the wrong direction the thing that um gets me about tucker and gives me zero hope for his twitter presence being all that great being anything but but accelerating the direction that he's already going into is that um just like he has on his show he gives kind of uh commiseration with audience who feel like they're not just disrespected by the cultural elite but that they themselves 
uh, can't say things without fear of, you know, having trouble at work. We've certainly received on this podcast thousands of emails of people describing <laughs> similar situations. It's definitely mm -hmm. always been part of Trump's appeal. It's been part of Tucker Carlson's appeal. So, you know, even when he says, you know, you're not allowed to say that, which he says every single broadcast that he's ever mm -hmm. done, and it doesn't mm -hmm. matter the subject, you're not allowed to say that the architecture of Budapest is great. Yeah, yeah, you are. You just, you just said it. it's fine. Everyone thinks so too. Yeah, yeah, it's right. cool. Um, he says that over and over again. It's absurd and ridiculous, but um, his audience like maybe sometimes they feel like that, especially when it's something more about COVID or like trans issues or whatever. Um, but my problem with that is that he doesn't get, he doesn't bring, give them a handout. He doesn't ask them or help them find a way to be brave and call bullshit. The answer to them is, uh, well, you know, uh, stay tuned and, and we'll be right back. Listen to this space and we will help you. It's, it's to actually, um, uh, uh, affirm their own conspiracies about how the world around them is assembled against them by this monolithic malevolent structure um that in yeah. secret a small handful of globalists and this is direct quotes people are like influencing it's a, a, a there's no difference between the republican Jeez. i mean <laughs> save time it always ends up there it saves it? time sometimes um, to do that and so what do you what are you doing for people who are worried about that when you tell them that um, you are making, you're giving them a sense, an unearned sense that they are doing something brave by sitting and watching your goddamn TV show or your Twitter stream. That's not brave. You're just, you're, you're getting a little comfort food, but, but you're not it, actually the thing is, confronting the problem. It, it runs up against another idea that can't be held in a parallel way, which is when you see somebody like Tucker talking about whatever fucking gay M&Ms or like trans <laughs> beanie babies or something, yeah. I don't follow this shit. But it's always like, you know, is this what people want? You know, that's kind of like, you know, it's like, really? It's and not what and um, it's, it, yeah, it's a little bit of John Stossel in there too. Yeah. But, um, but that's the thing is where it's like they're doing these things that um, is, is essentially bad for business and they're a business. Well, the same thing applies to Fox. It's not you know, the government, it's not someone, well, we can't say whatever we want. Well, of course you can. It's a fucking business. Like if you go on there and say, it's like tonight on Tucker Carlson, I've decided that the Holocaust, the numbers are way too high. Like <laughs> that's not, that's your last show right there. And then you're going to go out and say, man, I can't say anything anymore. It's like, no, you can't say dumb stuff, which would make you a liability. Now, it's a bit more difficult with Tucker because he was quite popular, you know? It was like the most popular show on cable. And he was saying so things they, that, that other hosts weren't saying on Fox. It, exactly. And that was actually interesting. And this is the defense I made of him, I think, on Megyn Kelly's show, was that I, when you're somebody who doesn't find anybody's speech dangerous, and I don't think it precipitates violence, and I don't think it precipitates, you know, mm -hmm. like all the bad things in society is not because somebody said something on television. When when you have that kind of ecumenical way of looking at speech, you say, yeah, more of it. And like, if he's going to have people who I think are repulsive on his show, you know, Max Blumenthal and people like this, I'm I'm baffled. And he's starting to sound like Noam Chomsky. And I'm sure if you asked him, do you like Noam Chomsky? He would say, absolutely. Yeah. If you asked Tucker 20 years ago, he'd be like, get out of my, like, what is wrong with you? So that change has happened, but I find it interesting and fascinating. And I actually believe it. I don't think it's like, go over to MSNBC and you have all of these ex-Republicans who can be like, you know what? 
I'm a conservative, but this isn't conservatism. This is not what the Republican Party is not conservative. No, no, no. They're not nope. that. They're just now because the paycheck is there. They're Nicole Wallace. They're Michael Steele. They're uh, Max Boot and his little fedora because he's a journalist. Joe Scarborough, um, <laughs> just this morning, for example. Joe Scarborough, a yeah. Congressional yeah. Republican was talking about the debt limit, and he was like, you know, the 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 Republicans in the House. Um, they're going to cut us to the bone. This is, you know, the, our milk is not going to be safe anymore. I mean, just the most tired old yeah. democratic talking yeah. points to describe a moderate restraint <laughs> in the growth of government that is 50% bigger than it was like three years ago. Yeah, It's slowing the level of growth. It's not preventing growth. It's just slowing the roll a little bit, which nobody ever does anyway. But yeah, I'm, that's the thing is like, but to get back to the Tucker thing, I want to ask Camille, because I was thinking like, I wonder what Camille thinks about this today because it came across the transom and I was thinking about it. Um, I was in the city yesterday with lots of people and I retreated to, um, to my, the old manse out in East Egg, uh, which is where I just have my quiet time by myself, which means that I think of things and can't bounce ideas off that. Like I'm like a fucking crazy person. Like walking around in circles with like Kleenex boxes on my feet, like talking about Tucker Carlson's Twitter show. But like, is, how does this work? Like Twitter is not a format. It's a format for small videos. It's a format that I scroll by a video and then I keep scrolling. It's not a thing where I sit down and say on my phone, I mean, most people are consuming Twitter on their phone, except for like journalists that have it up on their screen and their, on their computers all the time. But how is this going to work? And will it be a success considering it's on Fox and the average age of a viewer on Fox is 950. It's like, Oh, John Calhoun loves my show. (laughs) (laughs) But But on Twitter, it's obviously a younger demographic. Like, is this going to even work? That's the question. I I don't know. I mean, my suspicion is that some people will pay attention that the videos will, will get views um, but it, there's certainly not any obvious infrastructure that makes it worthwhile to launch video programs on on Twitter yeah. for the average person. It could be that Tucker and Elon have had some conversation, and I would be shocked if they hadn't, um, about maybe a feature set that Elon could roll out to perhaps yeah. make this a little better, like perhaps attach it to that newsletter service um, that still yeah. exists on the platform, and people can subscribe that way and get exclusive content. Um, but I wonder, but I wonder if he does a subscriber content only, like how much of that, how much of that audience is cut off that will, will he, will he walk himself out of the conversation? I mean, isn't that what Bill O'Reilly does now? So Bill O'Reilly's rich and we haven't heard about him except when he's writing killing Camille Foster or whatever his latest book is. (laughs) (laughs) Killing Camilla channel. The public, the public YouTube channel does not, was not doing huge numbers before like Tucker gate, which is a bit odd. Like I, I still don't understand where those numbers come from that he was quoting all the money he says he's making. Yeah. O'Reilly? I, does he still yeah does he still have his radio deals i wonder but did he say he was making a lot of money it was reported around him i don't know if it, it was he was the source that he was making 30 million dollars a year yeah that's true which i think is yeah. impossible i mean his books make a ton um but like a ton yeah, is not 30 million dollars yeah no i want listeners to you guys always send us the funniest emails we have like very funny um and also deeply deeply disturbed yes. listeners 
um, so many. Someone actually emailed, I just happened to see one today, of somebody who will obviously hear this, so I did get your email, who was like, can you stop speaking so fast? I can't hear you. And I was like, slow it down? You can actually just slow down the the podcast app that you're using can slow down the audio. But most people listen at one and a half speed, so try to keep up. Uh, And yes, Bill O'Reilly, apparently, he's still doing the radio thing. (laughs) Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. No, but if you if you if you send us emails um, of your of your pitches for Bill O'Reilly killing books, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I want <laughs> killing Donnie Moore again. Yeah, exactly. Killing Bob Seeger by Bill O'Reilly. That's weird. Are all he did at least one like John Lennon or something about people. Is that right? Yeah, they're all about people who've been assassinated. Or, yeah, uh, but uh, also it's, it's like imagine no, but there is no like too. projecting forward. No, oh, there I is. So. No, I don't think so. Are there? No, Matt just said so. I thought so, but I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. Know. Well, who would well, it I'm, be? I'm looking at the list now. I'm looking at the list. You want to kill bro- the drowning most recent one? <laughs> September 26, drowning baby Hitler. <laughs> no. <laughs> 2023 um, is uh, killing the witches. Is the one that's coming? Oh, which, and that's not very wow. exciting. Um, yeah. what's, what's this last selling year? A killing, killing the legends bundle is, uh, oh, it was a bundle. Yeah, what, what, do <laughs> what do you get in the bundle? What do you get in the bundle? I'm trying to see. This one says what, it, what I see in this, in the killing George is, Lincoln uh, Rockwell, <laughs> killing the legends, the lethal danger of celebrity. Ooh. Um, this Elvis <laughs> and Muhammad Ali and there's someone else there. I don't know who that is. Is that a beetle? Maybe yeah, it's, it's, maybe John it's John Lennon. Lennon. Yeah, yeah, killing stabbing the mob. George Harrison. But this going to be yeah. someone who writes about John Lennon that I want to read. It's going to be yeah. yeah, yeah, Bill O'Reilly. That, I just <laughs> he killed he killed yeah, the entire just... SS. It's killing Wait. the SS, killing the SS. <laughs> wow, I bet that one's great. That's where Tarantino oh, yeah. got it from. What do you think? Come on, yeah. <laughs> exactly. but, but is that is that because the publisher didn't want because he submitted a manuscript that was killing the Jews? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure he did not. I'm do sorry, that. but that's what it sounds like with the SS thing. Because no one killed the SS. The SS killed people. So don't get mad at me for saying that. That's not a I joke. Think to I mean, answer or address your but, speculation there, Mike. I I think there's no way in hell that Tucker goes walled garden anytime soon. Uh, he wants to be part of the election cycle, and he has gotten a bit high on his own supply in terms of um, his role in. The transformation of the GOP, which is an important role. Ross Douthat has written a pretty good column about this, uh, uh, April 25th, 26th, and some, something like that. Um, you know, it's Trumpism without. I tried to read it, but I had COVID. Yes, again. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> just don't know where I got it from reading this column. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to I watched a whole bunch of uh, uh, Tucker video um, in the last couple of days because he wrote a piece uh, about his yeah, Twitter move. And, um, and it's striking. There was a, a, some, a piece that we probably talked about on the show in January of 2019. Mitt Romney had written a big op-ed saying, you know, enough, Trump, or something like that. Uh, and, and Tucker does a 15-minute monologue at the top of his show. It's a pretty long monologue in the television world. Yeah. And it's really, really intelligent. I disagree with a lot of it in the framing um, and it's really, really well done. I mean, he's a, he's a yeah. force to be reckoned with, and he's he's sort of making 100%. his case for 
the new, you know, post Reagan, post zombie conservatism being centered on the family. And, you know, it's the damn libertarians who've been telling you a lie about individualism all these years. And it's this <laughs> and that, um, which is, Thanks, which is fine. Um, yeah. it's, it's a vision and he is clearly thinking about the vision and he's part of that story. Um, and it's a really weird thing. He's part of that story and his relationship. With- but Matt, isn't it, isn't it just, I'm sorry to interject, but this is a question, honest question for you though. Is it something unique though, as a political philosophy, or is it just the fact that we're interested in the fact that Tucker changed because he's essentially a Buchananite? He's essentially Pat Buchanan uh, in almost every way. Think- so there's nothing unique about his ideology. It's just like, holy shit, Tucker went that way because he used to be totally well, different. Well, yeah, it's it's unique in that. And Trump helped make this unique. Um, I mean, Trump, Trump was the leading edge of this in many cases. Like after he showed up and was successful with it, everyone kind of scrambled and started changing the way things happened. It's, he resurfaced the Buchanan 92 um, kind of coalition and set of ideas. And then people had to find make their own peace with it because- you know, Buchanan uh, was the anti-Tucker Carlson in, in 2002. Like, he literally started the American conservative. I think they were probably both on, yeah, I'm on MSNBC too, by the way, at that, around I, that I mean, they're both jovial people and taller than you would think. Um, and so I can imagine them getting along, but ideologically, they're absolutely adversaries. There's no getting around that they were on opposite sides in 2002, and yet largely on the same side, um, uh, or their issue sets are on the same side now. Uh, which is really interesting. Um, I, but I think to your point, Michael, there we're overly interested in it because there's people like Tucker, there's people like Trump, there's people like Sorab Amari, and different little constellations of it, and and existing, uh, long-standing figures in Republican politics have started to uh, flirt with this and um, make moves in that direction. Senators, yeah, um, and I want to those people. So many people in the senators, um, you know, congressmen and stuff that I just think are are rank opportunists. But I want to be clear about that. I said this about Tucker, but you know, somebody like Sorab, who I know, and um, we should no, get we on the show. Like, I think Sorab came to his views, and I I don't like his views now, and in in almost any way, I, I'm bothered by it. But I think he came up to them honestly, and I think it's because Sorab converted to Catholicism. And a lot of it followed that kind of religious conversion. You can see that the views going which, to kind of First Things magazine. Which number of, and that uh, kind of, of you, conversions is this for Sorab? That's it. I don't. Like, I don't know. He's, number number well, four. We, we'll have him on when he becomes an Islamist. <laughs> um, it's, it's inevitable, the, uh, and we say that with affection. But, the, but like, no. But I, I think that there's there's some, definitely there's the Josh Hollies of the world who are in that direction. But as an electoral force, and this is something that all these guys are going to have to reckon with, and that includes Tucker, that includes Trump or the people that are supporting him now, is that largely it's been a failure. Trump has failed yeah. in consecutive elections. Trumpism has failed in consecutive elections. You can basically count on one hand the number of people who have consciously gone Trumpy, ran for office, got his support, and won a general election in it's, the state. It is J.D. Vance. Two, two thousand, Yeah, 2018 uh, midterms, 2020 election, 2022 these are all big failures for Donald Trump every two years. Um, so you, you have to at least make up one bullshit story that I actually didn't lose. But you actually uh, said something that, that's interesting that nobody points out. And I don't know if we've actually pointed this out ourselves because, you know, when you hate somebody as much as people hate Tucker, when you see him as the kind of malign influence in America that is turning everybody towards white supremacy and things like this, um, you don't allow anyone to say anything 
positive even when you disagree with them. This is a problem in American life that you have to throw clear all the time. I don't think this was always the case in the past. You Uh could admire somebody and think their politics were repulsive. I mean, just look at William F. Buckley's friendships, you know, uh, with so many people that he he couldn't stand politically. But the thing that people are, are scared to say or don't often say is what you said about his monologue uh, with uh, um, about um, Mitt Romney. When you said it's really smart and like really well done, there's nothing about that surprises me because he's very good at television. He's been doing it for a long time. And he's an incredible writer. He is. Don't like he writes those and don't don't get mad because uh, we have a lot of. I think we have a pretty even split of a lot of lefty listeners too. Would be like, oh, look at you defend. I'm not defend. There's nothing about his politics. This is not about his politics. But Tucker Carlson is smart. If you don't think so, I advise you to go and read his journalism in the past. He's very, very good at it. He was very, very good at it. And I f- lament the fact that he's made this unfortunate ideological turn and become a TV person. But that writing exists in his television program. Now look across the spectrum at Fox, the the the, the regular Fox lineup, they're all morons. Oh, I come mean, on, Jesse Waters like, is, is super smart. Jesse Jesse Waters, <laughs> if you put together the brains of Dan Bongo Bongo, <laughs> Jesse Waters, uh, one of those, do- both of the deuces, oh. uh, like like y- y- them together, oh, you get about a half a Tucker Carlson at that point. And then add in Sean Hannity. All, like these are not, bright people i mean actually laura ingram yes. who i really can't stand is actually quite yeah. smart um you know went to it was a very strange class at dartmouth because she went to dartmouth and graduated uh with dinesh d'souza <laughs> very hard time. she's also a uh, kenley um, corvitz fan so she always has my sympathy oh is she, she used to play oh, a song i wrote on her bumper music on her national radio show Look at that. I did her radio show one time. She never invited me Don't back. understand why. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I said, you are bright, but not that bright. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like, he is, he is like, compared to the rest of them, he's like the intellectual powerhouse there. And, and, and you cannot ignore that just because you disagree with his politics. I mean, he is very smart. Monan, you do have to be a little fair. You can't really just like take a swipe at the guys who do like the morning news show. Like it's not like they really get a lot of opportunities to flex their muscles. Well, that's true. Yeah. The journalists, the ones that are just doing the journalism stuff. Tucker used to do that show. Um, He had Camille Foster on that show. Come on now. He did. That's that's true. He was the the weekend guy though. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he was like a feeling guy. And he said to you, he was like, you know, you was refreshing. You're amazing. He loved yes. you. Um, How yeah. clean are you? Um, yeah. He said, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. My God. It was very weird that he called you a Negro, which I thought was something that we stopped saying in the 70s, but yeah. you seem to be fine with it. <laughs> so clean yeah. and articulate. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just, thank you. Thank you, boss. This is just true. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, One, Xbox guy, James Rosen. Uh, brilliant Smart guy. guy yep. Yeah. Brilliant guy. I wrote an amazing book on uh, John Mitchell, uh, the Nixon attorney general, which is a bit of a revisionist book, but it's a real, I mean, he worked on it for a decade and it shows. It's like a great work mm. of history, not like killing John Mitchell or something. <laughs> it's just an actual, it's an actual, very. I, I recommend it to anyone who's interested in the, the Nixon per- period. And uh, 
And James is a very, very nice guy too, and is obsessed with the Beatles. I should, uh, I should throw cl- named all of his kids after the Beatles. Throw clear after all this positive uh, <laughs> Tucker Carlson stuff that I, I published a piece today under the headline "Tucker Carlson is lying to you." Um, so it isn't mm-hmm. all uh, uh, beautiful. You can be a smart liar, beautiful gravy, uh, or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, the thing that that sticks in my craw about his his truth telling pose now, I actually like it when people want to uh, or aspire to tell you know the bold truth that that the others you know i'm I'm gonna betray my own class interests and tell you what really goes on inside newsrooms okay we'll do it that's fine i want to hear about it but then to make blanket statements about what every other single journalist in the world does they're part of a system of lies and i'm i'm only going to be the one to do it and to do that <laughs> after having um in 2015 basically uh, started yanking material off his own website because it was critical of Fox News um, is a little bit hypocritical. And so I'm, I'm glad that he's going to belatedly announce that he's converted to fearsome truth telling. Good on you. Do more of it, tw- Tucker. We're, we're, we're rooting for you, pal. Um, but also that's not who he has been. Uh, in his life. He's been a careerist. Um, he's been very politically successful at working for absolutely everybody and making more money over mm-hmm. his lifetime than everybody except Camille here will make uh, throughout the <laughs> lifetimes of the of the, all of their descendants. You just, Can just I, wait. I've got, I've got some stuff up my sleeve. What kind of shit coin? It's called truth <laughs> coin. It's about truth. You guys don't understand. So I've got a question, guys, because one of the the murmurs that I've heard repeatedly, and not from any sort of particularly credible source, but just people speculating, is that Tucker Carlson might start feeling himself and imagine that he could run for uh, some sort of elected office. Does anything, Matt, considering you've been looking very closely at him and his recent utterances, Mm -hmm. does anything in what he's doing suggest to you that he may not be content to just set up another kind of media operation, um, but that he might actually want to aspire to something higher than that. I can imagine him thinking about it, but in a world that Donald Trump exists, it's just impossible. And also that in a world where Trump's main competitor so far in the primary is Ron DeSantis, who shares the essential He's the only person uh, in the field who shares kind of the uh, essential prerequisite for conservatives and Republicans at this time, which is that he fights with a capital HF. So Mm -hmm. um, to get into presidential politics, I would think that would be a kind of thing that he would do if there was nobody else in the category. Uh, You know, um, what Josh Hawley is going to suddenly waltz in. But Ron DeSantis is kind of in the category um, and can certainly be. He talks like that a lot. He's taken on a lot of of the we're going to use government as a force to pry liberalism out of government, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's pleasing to that crowd. Um, what could go? What wrong? could go wrong? I think that's <laughs> the, the, that way lies madness. Um, but at the same time, I you know, I root for DeSantis to beat Trump. If it's going to be uh, those two guys, it's not really a contest for me. Um, so yeah, if if there was nobody else, and there was some weird circumstance in in which like you know DeSantis collapses and Trump is removed from the game, like maybe he's I don't know rung up on federal charges of interfering and threatening 
uh, an election official in Georgia is a possibility um, that got more possible uh, after yesterday's performance. Um, then, yes, but the, the, a whole lot of weird things would have to happen. I think that the possibility that we should all keep uh, in mind uh, is that is that Joe Biden will drop out. Yes. Um, that then he'll drop out of the race. Yes, that he'll drop out. Because um, he's going yeah. to lose to Donald Trump. Um, Ooh! There's a lot. Big uh, prediction. Yeah, gonna, he, I think he, look. Wow. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take that him, bet. You should take that right. bet. I don't want that matchup because it's like, please, this, this is the only time I will sound like all those Michael Moore fans in like 2002 who were like, I'm moving to Canada. It's like, I don't think I can, I'm not going to move because I'm perfectly happy where I am. <laughs> but I think for the election, I'm going to go like to like Luxembourg or something and just like open up a schnitzel stand or something just to get the fuck out of the country. Cause I don't know if I can handle the insanity of it. But if you look at all the polling is that, you know, Joe Biden is the, the best he's polling is against Trump. Obviously. I mean, he doesn't, I mean, if you put it up against, against uh, DeSantis, he's, I, I think that um, DeSantis was clean as yes. clock, but there's the thing. I just think that the people are very simple about this stuff is that, you know, the economy, it was like two or three weeks ago, the number of people in a Gallup poll that said the economy was like great. Ah. And, you know, we're like, you know, almost full employment. It's, there's all sorts of great numbers you can point to. I think it was 17%. Like historical lows. Low. Historical lows. Historical lows. People care about that stuff in a huge way and they blame him for it. And he's at like 37% approval. It's absolutely catastrophic approval rating. And the most important thing is, he doesn't know where he is. And this is becoming <laughs> ever more clear. And mostly because of the control that you see of the people around him, um, which I think is, it, it, I think they should be prosecuted for it. It's like, it's, it's, it's an abomination at the very, very lowest level that hey. you're keeping from the American people. Like the president, like he doesn't do interviews with newspapers. He doesn't do press conferences, very rarely. And when he does, he has the questions that apparently the LA Times gives him beforehand um, and the person's name written down because he doesn't remember who these people are. And you just see all these performances and like you see, he doesn't, it just, he looks so enfeebled. And this is not, look, this is not about his policies, nothing about this. And it's not to, you know, Bill Maher when I, I was on the show and he was like saying he's the last acceptable form of, discrimination is you know ageism and like okay i get the point that he's making but with and he's like you can say this about biden everyone's saying he's gonna be 86 at the end of his second yeah. term if he serves a second term yeah it's like, well yeah that's Fucking relevant old. because he's he's not 86 now and he seems like he's 96 but in and fairness, that's just a fact well in fairness Moynihan, are there really people who don't know this i mean even biden supporters would probably admit in quiet moments that the president doesn't seem of particularly. I think that's right at the moment. Yeah, I think that's so. Right. There, you're right. His handlers are doing a, a pretty good job of kind of keeping him away, keeping people away from him, and he is openly dodging the press. I think we talked about it briefly. It was like the the joke among the jokes that I found most annoying was uh, Biden joking openly about not talking to the media. Um, like <laughs> oh, it's yeah, sure. it's all a little gross, but remember I don't we all know. learned the term a lid. Yeah. Do you remember that during the election, which just meant he went into his basement and like 
played Pong or something. I don't know what he was doing. So why, but why do you guys think he would drop out now? But with, or why do you think he might drop out now? Considering he's an incredibly weak candidate. I mean, a majority but, consistently uh, in polls up until now, a high plurality in the forties or an outright majority of Democrats. But he's Democrats don't but he's want announced. him yeah. to run. But he yes. took so long, and then he finally announced. And this is why post, that just post announcement. There was a poll, I think, about five days ago, Washington Post poll, um, and I think it was still a majority of Democrats mm-hmm. say they wished that he wouldn't run. I mean, Robert Kennedy Jr. is polling at 20%. Marianne well, Williamson yeah. is polling at eight and a half percent. You know what her highest poll was last time around? She ran again, you know, in 2020. She got one 1%. poll in which she got up to 2%. Yeah. She yeah, now has yeah. two and she's averaging eight and a half. Robert yeah. Kennedy Jr., who, if you haven't seen him, please do. Just go check him. You check him out on Megyn Kelly. He was on there. He has a big, big theory. You know, Megan, that everybody was shot by the CIA <laughs> last week. My uncle, my father, Teddy was driven into the ocean by the CIA. Did you watch the whole? You know that, Megan. Did you watch the whole clip? I watched that clip. Be- I watched it's, the clip. It's insane yeah, because it, he makes you. It was pretty interesting, it, by the way, because he was talking about how he spent three months it, in Africa with Roger Ailes, which was in a tent. And then he, he has this little totally side, you know, uh, of course, Roger has had, a, he was problematic in certain ways, and he does this weird overall body flinch to all, totally suggest that whatever way that Roger Ailes was problematic, Robert Kennedy's probably <laughs> a good deal more yeah, yeah, problematic yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah, equally. And anyone has read the contents yeah. of his diary will certainly know. Oh, um, should we pause for a second Please. as Camille reappears or doesn't? Or as, just as long as he's still there, you, audio wise. Can you hear me there, audio, Camille? Yeah, yeah, okay. you just, your, yeah. Your video disappeared. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, uh, I shut it off because my connection is is dropping. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, that's and we don't we don't have to stay for much longer. It was one sixteenth, so we can. Uh, no, but no I'm back problem. tomorrow, so um, I can go. Uh, this but weekend. no, the the fact of those numbers, um, okay, the the fact of those numbers. Well, there's 30 percent of polls saying just basically, is there anyone else running? Okay, them. Um, uh, yeah, is that's there's no way that Gavin Newsom <laughs> is not just sitting there going, okay, oh I just justified my you know slavery tour yeah. to Alabama and Florida, wherever the hell <laughs> he went. Yeah. Um, of, of course, he's yeah. someone is going to uh, force uh, some entry into that. It's um, it's fascinating to look at. I went back. Could you imagine if he ran against Trump and he was running against a guy who's Who's uh, a daughter-in-law? Is his ex-wife? Yes. Can you? <laughs> yes, so you can. Crazy. You absolutely can. So Congratulations, crazy. America! You won again. No, the last time that there was any um, uh, uh, primary season polling support this high for against an incumbent president was 1992 when Patty Buke was up against George H.W. Yeah. Bush, and generally he wasn't even that high. And Ross Ross Perot. Ro- Ross um, Perot was uh, as an, as an independent. Um, but as yeah. an in-party primary challenge in, in the Democratic Party, the only two times that it's happened in my, not even my lifetime, but a little bit ext- mm-hmm. extended my lifetime, were both involving people with the last name of Kennedy. It was Teddy in 1980 mm-hmm. against Jimmy Carter, and that was a real fight, That's a right. brutal fight. And he got he got into that race very very late. late. It was in it was in like yeah. November of seventy nine uh, when like things yeah. were falling apart yeah. for Carter. He'd been th- sort of playing the Hamlet guy beforehand, and then of course famously, RFK's father got in pretty late in sixty eight 
very late too, yeah. two yeah. as well, yeah, and then got late. murdered um, by the CIA. And uh, and uh, so no, that yeah, I'm th- I'm hoping for a sixty-eight election for the Democrats, right? I mean, you know, not only a convention that's like the sixty-eight convention, but to have Joe Biden. I mean, at least at least LBJ could say without cue cards. Uh, I I will not uh, seek nor will I accept my party's nomination. Like yeah. I mean, Joe I <laughs> Joe Biden doing that would be like, come on, you know, I can't. I don't want to seek it. Who's seeking it? No, I mean, and that I, we need <laughs> we need some like honestly we need somebody else. It's just like it, it, it's it's I, I also it's just better for what we do to have. I mean, because essentially Donald Trump debating him will be a Tyson chump fight, like, you know, a post-prison Peter McNeely chump fight. Because what Donald Trump showed last night is that he is and will forever be a performer. And again, this is not about how he handled himself and quitted himself. And was he not a total scumbag? Of course he was. Of course he was. That's, that's, That's a given. But as a performer... I mean, he's very fast on his feet and he's only a few years younger than Joe Biden, but he's ve- he does not, he seems agile. He seems with it. He doesn't seem like an old man and Joe Biden really does. And politics at the end of the day, not in primaries, uh, not in midterms, but in presidential mm-hmm. elections is about optics and about just the general feel of a guy. Well, and that's kind of the Clinton thing. Is like he had a he had a, people had got a good feeling from Clinton in nineteen. There's a there's an element of sixty eight that's worth thinking about. So yeah, LBJ does uh, step down, but he kind of stage manages the uh, primary election to Hubert Humphrey, who doesn't win a single primary um, and becomes the presidential yeah. nominee, which is incredible and yeah. crazy because he hated Bobby Kennedy with a fucking white hot passion. Uh, and so, but so he tries to hand it over, and you know. He, he would have had a chance against Kennedy. I think Kennedy would have won. Um, it was a very crazy election in many ways. But um, yeah. uh, Biden, if he tries to stage manage uh, a handoff to anybody, the recipient, unless there's some kind of crazy flash of recognition of reality within the Democratic Party, so I've already talked myself out of it being a possibility, um, he would <laughs> have to hand it to Kamala Harris who might be the worst politician in the United States of America. It's she, incredible. amazing. Yeah. She might be the worst politician that has ever existed in, <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> I, it, she's so, and like, it's so funny because um, when I did Mar, there was a thing about Kamala Harris and, you know, you talk to the booker beforehand and they ask you like, what will you say about this? What's your general feeling about this? And mostly to test, to make sure that the panel is not going to be a bunch of people, people agreeing with each other. And it was like, the hardest thing was to articulate like why she is so like not loathed. I don't think people even care about her enough to loathe her, Uh. but just like not liked and not appreciated because she's just not good at it. And she seems like a phony and it's a very hard thing to explain. So the fact that it's a coronation what should be a coronation of, because if Joe Biden steps out, I mean, look, look what happens, right? Walter Mondale in 84, Al Gore. I mean, you know, these like the, the vice of Richard Nixon, the vice president gets that, you know, it's for you. Right. And with nobody wants this, particularly within the democratic party, nobody wants uh, Kamala Harris to, to, um, 
to be that person. You know, I should point out I, that I, I, there is a small uh, group of people who uh, a- actively loathe in a, in a serious way Kamala Harris and have for a long time, and that's uh, libertarians, uh, particularly those who work at Reason. We've been we've been, we've yeah, been yeah, mad the, the at her uh, yeah. like a record as a cop for a really really long yeah. time. But, but you're right; most people are kind of indifferent to who she is. No, it's the whole thing is setting up as just a perfect storm of all of the worst uh, decisions, all of the worst uh, possibilities are the most likely. Like right now, yeah. Republicans, I think that the only Republican Biden has a chance to beat is Donald Trump. So therefore, Republicans yeah. are probably going to nominate Donald Trump, which is something I didn't expect before. I still th- would probably put money on DeSantis and it's a long season and you know, there might be some jail time. There might be all kinds of things uh, heading up that we can't currently predict. But um, Trump's doing way better than I thought uh, was possible, um, which is not the first time I've said that, I'm sure. Um, but Biden is incredibly unpopular. He's not going to get more popular. Uh, I don't see it. And then Kamala as their apparent, like it's just, it's stumbling into such a fiasco. And, you know, at least thank God Libertarian Party has it all together. So that really, that yeah, really yeah, worked out yeah. great for everybody. High yeah. five. Um, I do want to make a recommendation, um, because we were talking about the 68 election and it was not an electoral, uh, vote terms, but it was a close election. I mean, remember in 72 that Richard Nixon wins 49 states and loses my home state of Massachusetts, the only state he lost and just stomps. And that's after four years of Vietnam, um, 68, there's 31 million votes for Humphrey and there's 31 million votes for Richard Nixon, but I forgot about it is the 9 million terrifying 9 million votes for George Wallace. I saw something the other day that I thought was one of the best things I've seen in a very long time. And I want to recommend that people watch this because it's a totally random thing. It's something nobody will watch and nobody I think has watched. I think it has like a, maybe a couple hundred, maybe a couple 10,000 views, something like this, 40, 40,000 views is, um, William F. Buckley firing line the hoover institution puts all the firing lines online and there's a lot of really good stuff in there um and there is one from 1968 uh with george wallace in which william f buckley and george wallace basically hate each other and it's an incredible thing but if you want to see william f buckley in 1968 almost sounding like a freedom rider almost sounding like a liberal it is unbelievable. There is an episode he did in April of 1968 with a um, Louisiana judge named Leander Perez. And Leander Perez was a judge who, by the way, his, his career was later unraveled because it was discovered that he was stealing all sorts of money, graft, all those things. But Leander Perez was a judge who um, was a segregationist and he was enforcing segregation uh, in a rather brutal way, uh, Buckley interviews him and there is a thing I was going to post this and I, I you know, I just, this, I didn't want to deal by the way with the thing where, where there's the callback to the 1956 editorial in national review about, uh, state's rights. It's a, it's a real despicable, uh, unsigned editorial, you know, Buckley probably <coughs> wrote it. Um, it seems pretty likely that he did. I think he did. Um, but he evolved pretty quickly on this issue. And I think that that was a thing that that was the conservative position that I don't think his heart was in it, but he's been tagged with this, you know, segregation ever since was not that person. And in this episode, 
He interviews Leander Perez, and it is one of the most brutal takedowns I've ever seen on television. And I've, no one's ever heard of oh. it. I just happened upon it. It is brutality and in the most enjoyable way. He is making fun of him. He is just slicing him into bits. And at some point, actually, at the towards the end, there's a thing that nobody pointed out um, that no one's seen this, and I should cut this clip because it probably would have been used in a million documentaries about Trump. But you know, there's a, a moment where I think he's talking to somebody in the crowd, or the they they have this kind of interlocutor who's a bit of a referee for the show, and he says something about populism, and then um, explains populism when he, which he says is anti-conservatism, and he's basically describing Donald Trump, and then afterwards he says, you know, this type of thing is also fascism. And wow. it's really, really interesting. <laughs> but it is like, if you didn't know who Buckley was, you would think that he was, he was a, like a, you know, a Northern patrician, liberal uh, civil rights activist in a way. And cause it is, I just, I can't, I, I cannot get over how good this is. And I'd never seen it before. I mean, I put these things on sometimes and I'm bored and like, you know, walking around the house, I'll, you know, put like a, an old one with uh, with Teddy Kennedy on or something. They're always really interesting to listen to. But I, I highly, highly recommend this just as a master's class in how to humiliate somebody in a very subtle way. It's incredible. It's really incredible. So, Leander Perez. I'll put the link in you the, try to put in the, the link show in. notes. Um, yeah. Given uh, hotels and Camille's and Coke Zero, what kind of filth are you drinking there, one hand? Oh my yeah, God. So you, <laughs> how is that prison cell? It's it's pretty good lord. Pretty challenging. Letter from a Santa Fe jail. <laughs> Santa Fe gift shop. The people the people of Santa Fe have been very very kind. <laughs> uh, by the way, there's also this guy, and I can't believe that it's been getting all this positive notes because he's white, and this is now a problem. That has written this new King biography that comes out next week that um, is apparently very very good. Um, he's the one who f- I don't remember his. He's name. the one who found the. Yeah. Alex Haley discrepancy in the Martin Luther King <laughs> discrepancy. Yes. <laughs> it's not yeah. a discrepancy um, within Alex Haley's career. Um, but it's a, no, no, it's totally standard for Alex Haley's very questionable, uh, career. But yeah, that, that, that what King said in this 1965 playboy interview about Malcolm X was, um, punched up quite a bit by Alex Haley and is actually not a real King quote, according to this biographer who found the transcript because there's no audio recording. Uh, there was, which was transcribed by somebody, but the essential idea of the quote actually isn't that much different that, um, that King, um, abhorred, uh, violence and, um, radicalism and extremism in that, in that sense. Makes sense. We should get the guy on. It sounds like a interesting book. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have to, uh, read the book and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I've, there's, there haven't been like, there's not a lot of good books about main like like the sort of mainstream civil rights uh leaders of uh, you know Reese of recent vintage i mean i thought all the malcolm x stuff that's come out like the manning marable book and everything i think they're all terrible um particularly the manning, manning marable one was everyone loved uh rest in peace um an interesting guy but i thought not a very good book but anyway i suppose we should, we go. should go yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Well, I and oh, we might have uh, an interesting guest who will really disagree with us next week. So good, live in person. I hope, yeah. or the week after. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think I think that'll I'm, be in person. I think I'm make um, it up. Yeah, get up. 
Yeah, yeah, and and uh, a good guy, um, but uh, one I think there'll be some fireworks, so it should good. be fun. Good, good, All right. like that. Good, bye. We, we, we bye. know bye. of new methods of attack. <laughs>